Hello and welcome to an episode of Case Champion Conversations, a knowledge mobilization initiative showcasing case studies written by McEwen professors in interviews with their business community partners. Case studies are real business problems brought into the classroom to help students apply their academic studies to professional practice and explore how they might solve a similar problem in the future. These conversations are part of McEwen's 50th anniversary celebration and illustrate one way we achieve teaching greatness through scholarship and teaching that is grounded, relevant, trendsetting, and in the mix. I'm Brittany Eklund, and here with me today is Professor Dr. Mike Annette and community partner Lynn Myers. Thank you, Brittany. Now, the first thing to note is that the case is currently in a disguised format. So Moving Machines and Lynn Myers are both pseudonyms. Sometimes we disguise cases when there are sensitive or confidential matters that are addressed in the case or challenges with things like equity, diversity, and inclusion, which could be one of those. Now, in this case, we see Lynn Myers have two decisions or issues to resolve. The first is what she should do to adapt the staffing practices at moving machines to better enable access to people with marginalized backgrounds, particularly newcomers to Canada, to entry-level positions in the company. And in particular, we're talking about the vehicle detailer position. The second issue is what Lynn may need to address with the executive team of Moving Machines to prioritize this initiative amongst several competing priorities, secure their buy-in for policy and practice change. Now, the case body itself works through key facts such as the basic operations at Moving Machines, typical hiring practices at the company, the vehicle detailer position, turnover rates and costs, and corporate social responsibility initiatives and intentions by the company and by Lynn. Now, the case is set and written in 2021. So it's a very current topic. Now, with that background provided, we actually want to pivot a bit and talk a bit about Lynn's participation in the case authorship process. So, Lynn, why did you first engage with McEwen on a case study? Well, I have to let you know that there were actually two people that were involved in this. So Lynn Myers is a compilation of two of us that were working in the organization. And uh, one of us had more than 20 years experience in the company. And then I'm uh, my part of the character, we, I had 10 years. So what uh, we were just mostly curious about is the fact that we could be part of helping to educate other people on the challenges that you face in an organization in real time and kind of like, you know, what's going on currently in, in the environment and mm -hmm. in business. So that was really what, what drew us in is, oh, you know, we could help people. And that's always a noble thing to be looking out at somebody else and how can my experience help business students, help others in the community. But I wonder if there's any challenges or risks that you might have seen. Should we do this kind of thing? Oh, Absolutely. And it, to be able to open up like this is to be vulnerable. And I, we definitely had a fear of taking this to our senior leaders in the organization. And we were concerned that they would look at it and think that we were exposing the organization in some way for uh, being judged. That if we weren't, you know, perfect in our practice, mm -hmm. then uh, perhaps that they are going to, they would be recognized even if, even though the case is being disguised that there's only so many companies that do certain types of work in a, in a, in a region and, and perhaps that they would be recognized as being part of the case study. But uh, we had a very forward-thinking CEO at the time that was 
working with us, and he felt that the benefits to this were much higher than what the risks were. Mm. Yeah, the triangulation problem is a bit of a challenge, right? And that's what you're speaking of. And uh, speak more of that, what you mean by triangulation. Right, that uh, if you say a certain type of company revenue size, operating a certain industry, certain longevity or history, people can start to piece together oh, this is who that company is. Yeah, it's. It, I think that that is always a possibility that you can go, oh, that looks like that company if, if you're looking at these case studies. But again, uh, we came into it, the Lynn Myers, our compilation of the, the two leaders in the organization that were heading up human resources and learning and health and safety and training uh, for that matter as well. And we uh, looked at this and we thought, you know, this is more about organizational learning than it is about judging people. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to be able, first of all, to participate with Grant McEwen University because we recognize them as a very solid and reputable university in Alberta. And uh, we also felt like there was some wisdom that we could impart as a result of our years of working within this organization and really closely together as a team. And I definitely appreciate the vulnerability and the openness of the information that you provided. I have used the case already in a classroom and for students to appreciate that it is real information and it isn't a company who has some beautiful problem. Like how do I become more successful than I already am in a new market? And what's my best strategy for doing that? It's here are some of the challenges we're facing with our current operations and the reality and realness of that. Now, a question for you is um, advice that you'd give to other community members about participating. Because I don't believe you had experience with the case study process before coming into it. Now having done it once, what advice would you have? Uh, Being able to bring the benefits to the leadership team that focus on organizational learning. We certainly learned a lot about our our business, our company, our own processes by participating because of the questions that we got asked. And they weren't questions we would have necessarily thought to ask of ourselves. So just in doing that, we were able to look at us in a different way. And uh, I think that's part of the whole magic of, uh, of diversity with people in an organization is you do then see different aspects of business and ways of doing things. So it kind of was like a, a reflection of the whole diversity process that we were speaking about. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this case study experience is linked to a transition for your own work in management consulting. Yes. Yeah, I realized that uh, as I was working the last year, and this is very typical of people how they felt when the pandemic started, I think it really uh, burnt out a lot of individuals that whole, like having to pivot. And we literally had to overnight in this organization make some very critical decisions that impacted a lot of staff, but it also impacted customers. And it was, uh, it was just uh, the biggest uh, thing that we had faced in all of my time in the organization. So um, I was uh, looking at that and I said, you know, looking around at all these people that this is, that this has impacted the, the pandemic, um, you know, why this would be a very good time to step away because everything has been turned upside down anyway. And so we're not going back to how we were before. And so if I were to leave at this point, 
I'm not going to create a lot, any more disruption than what there already was. And it just seemed like a really good ending point for me. And you've shared with me you have a heart for equity, diversity, inclusion. It's a strong passion for you. And in the case, one of the principal issues was about newcomers to Canada and how they can become uh, easier access to employment, more stable employment. And as you think about um, some of your work in management consulting, can you tell me a bit more about uh, some issues that newcomers to Canada may experience and how companies, whether it's moving machines or others in general, can help support this group? So in my past of work that I have done, I have worked in foreign worker recruitment and in assessment of foreign worker credentials. And so I have seen firsthand the vulnerability that people have when they come from other countries and they're trying to make their way here in the workforce. And so they sometimes need to understand what the culture of work is here. It's kind of, well, it can be very different from wherever they they originate. But also um, they can be vulnerable to people who are abusive of the system and uh, they're afraid to speak out if they're being treated in a way that isn't fair. Maybe they're not paid properly. Maybe they're being, uh, you know, housed in places that are not appropriate or to most people's standards and they wouldn't know where to turn. And uh, personally, you know, that was offensive to be anywhere near a situation that happened like that. And those companies, we often had to, you know, say something to them directly or to somebody else in order to make sure that people got treated properly. So having had that experience in my past, I understood that there was a vulnerable group of foreign worker people or people who are newcomers to Canada. And there's some really great organizations throughout all of Alberta and all of Canada that help newcomers. But what I didn't understand was also that um, there's a whole groups of people that are sometimes uh, invisible to a person, like say people with certain disabilities, if you don't have a person in your life, say who is blind or who can't hear or has mobility issues, or even somebody who is aging and they have uh, perhaps issues with using a computer for long lengths of time or standing or the list can go on and on. If you don't have that issue yourself, or if you don't have somebody in your family, then you just don't look at your organization and the work through that lens. And you're always then creating a barrier for people to take work that they potentially could do and do well. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways of describing the blindness or the unawareness is a bit of the mental model people may have it just to be with a lens they're using, not see the issue. And I think you've done some work uh, with some consulting company and some academic work on exposing or surfacing some mental models. You shared just a little bit about the mental models and helping to see some of the issues that newcomers to Canada might experience. Yes. I think that um, working with um, the gateway association, if I may name them, (laughs) (laughs) They have um, been developing something called the Badge Inclusion Program. And so I was working in quality management and health and safety, HR. All of these administrative units of an organization have frameworks, and they have standards for best practices. And we didn't really have a standard for diversity and inclusion. So Gateway was the first organization that opened our eyes by giving us a framework 
and saying this would be good practice. But you can't do everything. There's, there's kind of many pieces to diversity and inclusion, which we learned. So you have to focus on a particular area. And we felt that the, the uh, detailing area was a good place to start because it was a high turnover position. And we felt that we were probably excluding people that would be good for that job um, just because of some of our recruitment practices. And as you work with the badge program or some other models, perhaps around uh, looking at aptitudes versus qualifications, that might require the leaders of your company to view the issue or view the workforce differently. Uh, any comments about how you help supervisors change some of their mental models or their perspective in a beneficial way? Yes, I think that um, educating the supervisors is a key factor. Leadership doesn't tend to be the issue. It's um, more so the ground supervisor, the supervisor over the work, because you're going to change their world, perhaps. The, the fear is also always working with not enough resources. So they don't have the time, they feel they don't have the money. And this, these are legitimate concerns, because this is true. So then it was uh, having classes, like literally, like hour-long sessions where we would talk to the managers about their challenges, but also educating them on how they could make their management easier, that they they were sometimes um, not having the conversations that they could be having to understand when their workers uh, could do something easier for them or could be more accommodating for the workers so that they would avoid injury or that we could bring other people into the job that had before been excluded. And one of the resources that were shorted was having people to begin with because there are shortages of people who are willing to work in some of the jobs and the detailing job's a good example because it isn't easy. It's very physically demanding, repetitive, and dirty. Like it's, you're, you're cleaning cars and you're cleaning equipment that has been working in commercial applications. So we found that we had to be more creative and we couldn't come up with the creativity ourselves. We had to bring that in from outside. And that's where we came upon the case study and like the, the gateway inclusion program. And I think it's uh, quite right and good you mentioned the supervisor. And I suppose to build on the theme of the case about uh, moving machines, right? It's where the rubber hits the road, actual traction happens. It's good to have broad policy, broad ideas, but it's at the supervisor level where the real change has to happen. A real shift in mental models really needs to come through. Yes, yeah, so that is exactly it. The mental model that you had discussed is, uh, first of all, understanding where the manager's thinking is right now. And then challenging that person on trying something different, trying something that they may not have attempted before. And then if they get a good result, like do, do one pilot project around somebody who's willing and, and open to uh, being creative in, in their approach. And pretty soon you have the other managers who are looking on going, look what they're doing. And that was mainly what we would do is we would get a willing participant and then we would get buy-in because somebody would know that that person managed to make it work. So they're kind of competitive at times as well, managers that are in similar jobs and they, want, they don't want to be the person who can't figure it out. So we, we use that competitiveness <laughs> to be able to get them to uh, move their thinking 
from an old from an old version of of how they could see the work being done to something new. This has been an episode of Case Champion Conversations. Support for the conversation is provided by McEwen University's 50th Anniversary Celebration Committee, the School of Business, and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications. Case Champion Conversations are created by William Way, Mike Annette, Markaran Gulawani, Teresa Chica James, Claire Dang, and Victor Bilodeau. And this episode is hosted and produced by Brittany Eklund, recorded and edited by Dylan Cave. Executive producer is Ray Barry. 